Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Today we continue our series on the anointing with a message titled Christ in Us. As we dive deeper into the subject of the anointing, it's really important to remember that just as Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted, in the same way, we are all faced with challenges and storms that are designed to have us return in the power of the Spirit if we face those challenges with the anointing. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Amen. Amen. We've been talking about anointing, and anointing is God's supernatural power to get things done through his people. Supernatural power to get things done through his people. Now, here's what's really interesting about anointing when you think about it. And I recognize that when we say anointing, it sounds really spiritual. And when we hear that word anointing, we have equated that word anointing with those things that are anointed in church. And we are used to hearing that and we talk about that. We've seen it. And I want you to receive a different level of understanding about anointing. That's why we're talking about this, because I want you to understand this not just from the spiritual context, but in the context that anointing is power to get things complete, to get things done. It is the power to get things done. When I didn't understand God, I would see Christians all the time struggling with things. Amen? And then I got saved and I started understanding that God wanted to help me do stuff because I had never been taught that. I was taught that you go to church and you listen and you sit still and you make sure you hear, you be a good person, and that's what you're supposed to do when you go to church. That's what I was taught and that's all that I knew. And so I thought to myself, well, I can't be the kind of good guy they want me to be, so ain't no sense in me going to church. And then when I got into trouble and I called on God to help me, God did not respond. And I said, you don't exist. And I became an atheist. And I walked around. And when Christians tried to tell me good stuff, I told them no. (laughs) And I argued with them about why God did not exist. And I went through that process for years. And then one day. God revealed himself to me. I am getting ready to have a fight. I'm, um, I'm going to somebody's house to fight. You know, usually when you drive, you calm down. No, I was, I was escalating in the car by myself. And I got there and I couldn't fight because they weren't there. <laughs> Can't fight with somebody who ain't around, amen? But through the course of that situation, I was led to the home of my cousins who then were there. And while I'm angry, they keep going in the room to pray for me. And they come out and they minister to me. And I don't want to hear it. And then they go back in the room and pray. And I don't know they're going in the room to pray. I just know they keep going in this room. I don't know why. And eventually that night, after several hours of this whole process going on, when I'm getting ready to leave and I still have not calmed down at all, My cousin looks me in the eye, and I don't remember what she said. She looked me in the eye and began talking to me, but it wasn't her talking. It was God talking to me. See, supernaturally, God was getting something done through someone. She had an anointing on her in that moment to look me in my eyes and not have the person here 
them, but hear God. That's an anointing. And that was in an apartment in Sacramento. That wasn't in church. That was an anointing coming on somebody who didn't know the Bible as like a scholar. Somebody who hadn't had all kinds of things happen. This is a person who's still pretty younger. This is my younger cousin. The one who was always looking up to me. But that night, it wasn't her. It was God. See, God can supernaturally use your mouth to speak to people. God can supernaturally put an anointing on you to say things not to people's minds, but to their spirit. And God can use you to break chains in people's lives. God can use you to change the way people think with the words that come out of your mouth because it's God talking. Anointing. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm anointed. (laughs) Yes, that means God can supernaturally use you to get stuff done. Luke chapter 4. Look at Jesus, our Savior. Now, I recognize when I tell you to say you're anointed, there are different levels of us being able to receive that. Amen? Amen. If we're honest, we can say, well, yeah, I know I'm anointed. But then when the Lord tells you to talk to somebody, you might be rethinking your position. Pastor Edward and I were on an airplane yesterday, and we were sitting there, and for whatever reason, well, I know why it it was because we men, it's three seats, and he sits in one seat, and I sat in the other seat. We left one in the middle open, right? (laughs) I ain't like I don't know why. I know why we did it. We did it because we're men. That's why we did it. So then another guy gets on the plane, and he comes and sits right between us. Mind if I sit here? And he, and he filled up. The, uh, number one, I'm already filling up the seat. I just, I just barely got in the seat. And then he came, and he filled up, he filled up overflowing. And then we, all, and then we all three of us sitting in here, and I'm leaning, I'm leaning out in the aisle because I don't want to be, you know, I don't know, you're touching me and everything. You know how it happens on the airplane. You know, come on. You guys know how it is. So he sits down, and he starts talking, and so immediately, I go into mode. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? All right, Lord, how do you want me to minister to him? And so I'm listening to everything he's saying. We, we're talking, and we're kind of lighting it up, getting ready, getting, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm getting my fish, fish hit. I got my hook out. I'm ready, I'm ready to get him. And then he says, excuse me, y'all, I got to pray before we take off. Hold on, y'all. We'll stop. Stop the small talk. <laughs> he said, "We got to pray before we take off." All right. So, okay. So he he you know so he does pray. Okay. So then, okay, I pull my I pull my pull my bait back because I'm not trying to catch fishermen. I'm trying to catch fish. Amen. But the conversation still became an anointed conversation between us. And we began sharing and encouraging each other and building each other up. And so what I want you to be aware of is that fishermen are always looking for lakes. If you're a fisherman, you're always looking for a lake. And so when we are here looking at Jesus, Jesus is announcing in Luke chapter 4 that there's this anointing on him to do stuff. 
And because his anointing is on him, Jesus will spend the next three and a half years after this looking for lakes. <laughs> he invited the disciples. He said, listen, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Look what he says. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. In other words, the only reason God gave me the Holy Spirit was because I was already anointed. Woo! The only reason I have the spirit is because I'm anointed. We believe that we get the spirit to become anointed. But no, you're already anointed. That's why God gives us the spirit. Because the spirit is what? The power. It was Acts chapter 1. It says, it, says, it says, go and wait on the promise of the Father. And when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. They were anointed when he breathed on them in John chapter 20. <sighs> receive ye the Holy Spirit. But it didn't come till later. Why? Because he was first had to put in the anointing. Then he poured out the power. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Are y'all happy about that? Let's go to Colossians 1 and 26. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't read Luke yet. I'm still, I'm still, I'm excited. <laughs> Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And there are basically six things that he says here. Number one, he's anointed to address the issue of poverty. Amen? He's anointed to address the issue of poverty. First thing Jesus is anointed to do. Number two, he is anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. How many of y'all know people who's had their heart broken? Amen. If you don't, I know one. <laughs> Amen. Do, do you know who the number one category of people with broken heart walking around the world is right now? African-American males. You know why? The reason why is many of us have had to grow up without fathers. Number two reason. Many of us who had to grow up without fathers had mothers try to be fathers. And a woman can't teach a man masculinity. I can't teach a woman how to have a baby. I've seen it three times. I was in the room, up close, personal. I'm all up in there. I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> but I can't teach a woman how to have a baby. <laughs> but Jesus said, I'm sent to heal the brokenhearted. And we think about brokenheartedness being relationships in, you know, you know, if you don't know me by now. You know, that kind of relationship. But there's other kind of broken hearts. There's other ways that people have been wounded and carry wounds with them. There are people who have been betrayed or people who have had other things happen in their life. And we carry around brokenheartedness. And the word Jesus speaks is, I have an anointing to heal that. See, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was angry at my father because he wasn't there. 
I was mad at my father. And me and my father went to really deep, deep places in anger together. Because then when my father wanted to be there, I didn't want him there. (laughs) Amen? But God healed me. God healed me because God taught me he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And that I didn't have to keep looking back at what happened in the past. I could right now, today, forgive. And I had to get to that point where I could receive forgiveness from God so that I could give forgiveness to others. Because if you don't receive that, you won't ever really be able to enter into the truth. So Jesus said, I have been anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Number three, preach deliverance to the captives. I want you to look closely at this. It doesn't say he came to free the captives. He said he came to preach deliverance. In other words, we have to preach deliverance. It's people's responsibility to receive it. We preach deliverance. We declare deliverance. We let people know that God can set them free. However, I can't set them free. I have to recognize I can tell them about freedom and I can show them where the keys are. Hallelujah. But they got to turn the key. Amen. Come on. Come on. Are you excited today? Come on. Verse four, proclaim sight to the blind. It does not say heal blindness. It says proclaim sight to the blind. And just like people have to receive deliverance, people also have to receive their sight. Jesus told him one man, he said, what do you want from me? He said, that I might receive my sight. He understood he had to receive it. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you're going to see some new things today. Come on, number five, set at liberty those who are oppressed. There was an anointing on Jesus to set oppression. People who are under oppression, set them free. And number six, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, to tell them all these things can happen right now, today. Not tomorrow, today. You can be free today. See, when I was sitting there and this, my cousin's ministering to me, you know what happens is I'm, I'm hearing it. My instinct is to say, get away from there. Don't listen to this. But I had to receive it that moment. And when I received it that moment, God set me free. Amen? Acts chapter 10. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Tap your neighbor and say, I know it's hot, but stay with it. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Come on, I know what's going on in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Absolutely. (laughs) Acts chapter 10, verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that the word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The next levels of the anointing that Jesus displayed is that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good. He just went around doing good stuff. And freeing half the people who were oppressed by the devil. (laughs) How Jesus Christ went around doing good and healing half the people who were oppressed 
by the devil. Okay, all right, all right, all, all. All means all, right? All means all. I'm going to read you something really quickly here. I want you to listen to this and understand this. Um, No, I'm not going to go there yet. Go to Isaiah 10. Isaiah 10. Uh, Matter of fact, just look at the screen because I'm going to move fast. I'm I'm short on time today, so I don't want to over-preach you, and I know it's hot. Amen. Hot word means it's hot. Amen. Isaiah chapter 10, verse uh, 27. It says, It shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. How many of you have ever experienced something that's weighty, feels like it's on your neck, like it's holding you down, huh? Come on, a burden or a yoke that's on you. You feel worn out, feel like you're tired. Everything's always pushing you down. How many, how many ever experienced that? Yes, we've experienced that. But guess what he says? He says, and this yoke will be lifted. And this yoke will be lifted because of the anointing oil. Come on, I need y'all to have some fight in you. If I say something wrong, I want y'all to correct it. This yoke shall be lifted, destroyed. Not lifted, destroyed. Come on, fight with me. Um, listen, come on. If I say it wrong, fight back. Come on. Destroyed. You know why I'm, at, you know why I'm doing this to you? Because I want you to get the word in your heart. And I want you to, if you hear the word that's wrong, I want you to know you'll, you can say what the word says. You can say, somebody's saying the word, no, this is what the word really says. Come on. Even your if the pastor is not what the word says, the word says this. My job is to bring accuracy into your life. Amen. Not preach halfway or some of it. I want you to get the right word so that you know it and you can get it in your heart. Because that's where change comes from. Change comes from when the word gets in our heart and the word starts to produce something new. Amen. Y'all going to fight with me? All right. I'm giving y'all an invitation. Fight with me. There are burdens and yokes that people are under that can only be destroyed by the anointing. See, there are burdens that people are dealing with that won't be treated by religion. There are burdens that people are are fighting with and wrestling with that cannot be tackled by niceties. They're broken by the anointing. I had a young man who uh, was wrestling with something, and he came to me this some years ago. He came to me, and he he, uh, shared with me what he was wrestling with. And I said, okay, we we can take care of this. And so when I started showing him what the word says, he said, I can't accept the word right here, though. He said, I I understand it, but I can't accept it. And because he couldn't accept the word, the anointing is in the word. Anointing is in the word of God. It's in there. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. Matter of fact, go to John chapter 1. I'm going to show you why the anointing is in the word. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, uh, actually, we're not going to go to 10 and 10. We're going to back that one. Go to, let's go to John chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to get that one in a second. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. The Word is God. 
When we want religion without the Bible, the problem is the Word is God. (laughs) When we want religion without the Word of God, then what we're saying is we don't want the fullness. We want the form of God, but deny the power. The power is in the Word, amen? The Word is where the power is, and if we can accept the Word, then the Word can produce the power to make change in our lives. But you got to get the Word in there. You got to get the word. The word is the instructions for life. The word is the power. The word is the understanding. The gospel of Jesus Christ is his word. And when the word comes, the word will change things. Because see, I was an unbeliever and I didn't want the word. I didn't want to talk about the Bible. I wanted to talk about things in the Bible, not the message of the Bible. I wanted to argue about whether Methuselah could really be 969 years old. Please. I want to argue about that kind of stuff. I didn't want to argue about Christ in you is going to be the hope of glory. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about the fact that I need Christ in my life. Don't, I, don't know, in my, I don't want him in my life. <laughs> See, when we're ministering to people, we have to understand that the word is what they need. We love on people to earn a seat. To give them the word. We don't manipulate them. But we want to give people the word. Because the word is where the transformation happens. The word is where the change comes from. The word is what actually starts to break the yokes. Amen? Uh, Let's go to John. Uh, Let's go to the next verse. Next verse. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. The Word was right there in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. That's why you can't separate God and His Word. Because the Word is part of the creation. The Word is part of the fabric that you're made with. Amen? (laughs) I want you to think about that one for a minute. Now let's go to John 10 and 10. This is what the problem is. The problem is, in John 10 and 10, it says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. What does that mean? There's a thief that's coming to rob you of the word. So as fast as I can preach it, there's something coming to steal it. Fast as I can spit it out, there's something, something trying to grab it. <laughs> Amen? Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life. And that more abundantly. In other words, there's a thief and there's Jesus. There's two different things, and they're warring for your attention. Jesus is trying to give you abundant life. The thief is trying to take it away from you. Hallelujah. Mm. All right, we get to the next level here. I'm going to read you something really quickly here, something the Lord had me write down, and it's some stuff you'll see again later, but I want you to listen to this. Here's one of the biggest battles that the enemy tries to do with you, and that is he tries to rob you of the word through your personal storms. Remember we talked about last week about how Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. In other words, he had to fight the enemy, but he came back out of the battle in the power of the Spirit. In other words, what, what, what was communicated there is the fact that you go in strong, you come out stronger. 
When you go into a battle, you come out stronger. That's the kingdom way. You have to fight things in order to overcome them to become stronger in those things. And so when you understand that your battles actually strengthen you, you stop running from battles. Amen? But I want you to listen to this. Listen, all of us can relate to the reality that life is hard. Tell your neighbor, say, is life hard? Ask him. We can all relate to that. Amen? Amen. Listen. All of us can relate to that reality, and while we may want to compare our challenges to the lives of others around us, the hardness of life is always relative to the life that is lived. In other words, my life is always harder than yours, because I'm the one living my life, amen? Your life is harder than mine when you're talking, right? Whoever's talking, that's the one. It's relative to you. You got the hardest life, you know, amen? <laughs> Each of us have our own thresholds of pain, confusion, and overwhelm, and when that threshold is reached, we have to cling to anything that we believe will sustain us through that storm. Anything you think will hold you is what you grab for. And so before I knew God, I reached for anything I could. Some people reach for comfort. Some people reach for drugs. Some people reach for excitement. Some people reach for relationships. We all reach for whatever we think will sustain us in a storm. And you usually reach on those things based on what you're taught will sustain you. So your generational mindset concerning what sustains people gets passed on to you. And so my father taught me That the way you sustain in a storm is to man up. Only problem was, I was too old for you to tell me to man up. I'm already a man. Can't tell me to man up now. You should have have been there to tell me when I was this age. Now you can't tell me nothing, right? The storm represents the full manifestation of the issues which we can no longer avoid. We may have spent many times denying or ignoring the storm, but when the storm comes to fullness, there is no escaping the reality of it. The storms in my personal life have revealed something that I already knew, but I have been deferring action on for years. In other words, there, most of the storms that come on us are not surprises. Most of the storms we see miles away, but we don't do anything about them when we see them. So storms in our lives can be manifested in a lot of different ways. They can be manifested in the fact that we are unprepared for things that come at us. It can be manifested in in the relationships that we have that are running the wrong course and we know they're going the wrong way, but we don't do anything about it. We have manifested in the fact that we may have cling to things that we know won't anchor us. But whatever they are, those storms, we see it coming. And we know there has to be a change, but we resist the change because we get paralyzed. We get paralyzed by things in our life that try to hold us. And the thief is the one who comes and holds that paralysis there. I want you to understand that because when we talk about having an anointing, I want you to understand that sometimes 
the anointing that we know God placed on our life is postponed because we haven't dealt with the storm. And so rather than approach the storm with the right equipment, we observe the storm and try to avoid the storm. We try to sail around the storm. And let me tell you from personal experience, when you try to sail around the storm, you go way out the way. (laughs) You will end up way out of the way trying to sail around a storm that God has sent. (laughs) See, in the book of Jonah, Jonah's on a boat trying to go the opposite direction from where God told him to go. And because he's trying to go the opposite direction, he's going around something and a storm comes. And when the storm comes, they keep trying to skirt the storm and they realize, wait a minute, this storm is following us. (laughs) We can't get around it. It keeps following us. Woo, how many of y'all been chased by a storm? (laughs) Amen. Amen. When you realize the storm is chasing you, it's time to stop running from the storm. This is why it's important to understand Jesus and his anointing. Jesus is called Jesus Christ. Christ means he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one who has an anointing, and we read what that anointing does. Amen? But that anointing doesn't stop there. That anointing brings safety in every storm. That anointing brings safety in every possible storm that you can find yourself in. That anointing of Jesus will come and be a blessing to you. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I have had personal storms in which I saw it coming. And all my personal excuses stopped me from doing something about it. I had a whole lot of excuses why I can't address this right now. I can't deal with the storm. I see the storm, but the storm's a ways away. I don't have to deal with it now. And I kept running from the storm, and the storm kept following me. And no matter where I went, the storm was always right there. Man, it's right. That storm is still there. It hasn't caught me yet, but I'm still going to go. But I keep running from the storm. I keep trying to get away from the storm, but not realizing God says, look, son, I've already got an answer for you. But you're going to have to just get to my word and let me speak my answer. When you get the answer, then you will be able to do what's required, not to run away from the storm, but to go right into it. To be led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To face the devil, amen? Because listen, what you're designed to overcome, you should not run from. (laughs) I'm going to say that one more time for y'all. What you're designed to overcome, you should not run from. I will not run from a fly. You shouldn't run from a bee. You are several hundred thousand times the size of most insects. And there's a handful of insects that may be poisonous enough to really do something to you. A handful. But why, when we see them, they just creep us out. (laughs) 
Why are we afraid of bugs? Why are we afraid of those things? You know why? Because the spirit of fear is already in the human spirit. And we have an instinct to run from things. Amen? That's part of the sin nature that's in us. Amen? Sin doesn't make you do wrong. It Sin makes you live below what you're capable of living in. Amen? Sin is not just about doing the wrong thing. Sin is about also living below the standard that God has called you to live on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 7. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Matthew 7. We're going to begin at verse 24. And when I get there, I will start reading. Amen. 7 verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Jesus said, whoever's listening to my words, if you hear it, whoever hears it. In other words, there's going to be some that hear it and respond one way. Some that hear it and respond another way. Amen. I will, excuse me, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. In other words, if you can build your life on the word... And when storms come, it will hit you, but you won't fall. Storms can hit you, take you, but it won't take you out. That's why you don't have to be afraid of the storm. See, if your life is not built on it, then you get what comes in the next verse here. Verse 26, now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell, great was its fall. The reason we build our lives on the word is because the word will endure forever. I taught a class called Total Prosperity, and we were teaching different principles, and we were going through it. And when the financial collapse hit, some guy thought he was being a, a smart aleck with me. And he came to me and said, how's your total prosperity doing now? And I said, everywhere I obey God, I'm good. <laughs> it's the stuff I didn't obey God in is that went crumbling and collapsing. Why? Because the borrower is the slave of the lender. So wherever I was borrowed, then I was a slave. <laughs> when I paid where with cash, it wasn't hurt because the, the bank went under. I already own it. <laughs> okay, the bank went down. It ain't no problem to me. Why? Because I already own it. If I followed the word, then I wasn't affected by that. I was affected by that by the stuff I had borrowed to buy. Now, does that mean you never borrow? No, but you need to borrow knowing the truth. Amen? Understand it. The Bible says, give and it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Did you continue to give? Yeah, continue to give. Guess what? And God supernaturally saw us through paying off $70,000 worth of debts. Because I wanted to file bankruptcy. I was like, peace out on that stuff. I'm not paying for this. 
Everybody that went down, I'm not paying for this. I'm going to see an attorney today. And we went and saw the attorney, and he started talking to me. The Holy Spirit said, you know, you cannot do that. He said, if you do that, it's going to stop you from testifying when I bless you. (laughs) He said, don't run from this storm, son. Take my word and go to the storm. Tammy says it like this, run to the roar. (laughs) Come on. You hear the lion roaring? Don't run from it. Run right at him. But what did we do? God said, give and I'll give back to you. So what we did, we started, we continued to give. We continued to give. In the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the storm, we continued to give. And guess what? We got this big old bill over here. Man, I'm going to pay off this bill. How am I going to pay? How am I? How am I? How am I going to pay off this bill? That's where I'm meditating. How am I going to do this? How am I? I'm owning this issue. And God said, wait a minute. I thought you belonged to me. Then I had to change it. Lord, how are you going to, how are you going to work this out? How are you going to work this out? Lord, show me how you're going to work this out. How are you going to work? And you know what he started doing? He started supernaturally sending things our way. Stuff that wasn't supposed to come our way was going our way. People calling us on the phone saying, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, and this was a bill that we were, it wasn't even in the pool I was praying about. He, the bar guy said, he said, guess what? We're going to cut about $70,000 off of this. I said, oh, Yeah. And then the tax man said, oh, people cutting bills? We're going we're gonna to tax you for that. And the Holy Spirit supernaturally gave me wisdom one day. I went into the IRS book, and I found a little clause in there. I said, oh, this is the clause. I pulled out that clause. No, you can't tax me on that. Supernaturally stuff was going on. Why? Because we obeyed God in the middle of the storm. We didn't build on our imagination, which was sand. We built on the word. And the word caused a harvest to come. The word caused things to change in our life. The word caused supernatural things to get done because that's what the anointing is. The anointing is God's supernatural power to get stuff done through his people. And when God said all things shall be possible to them that believe, you got to believe. you got to just dial in and believe. Amen? Amen. Guess what? You're going to struggle with your belief. You're going to struggle with your belief. I'm telling you now. Why? Because there's a thief going to try to steal it every time you establish it. He's going to try to steal it. But you've got to find him and kick him in his butt and get him out the door. You've got to find him and get him out the way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Woo-wee. Come on, faith. Come on, faith. The anointing of God. Come on. Now, we sang this song earlier about this woman. I'm going to tell you about a woman with an issue. Amen. (laughs) Verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Didn't know what to do. Amen. That what the song said. And has suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She's, she's spent all of her resources talking to doctors who have not been able to figure out how to stop the problem. Next verse. But when she heard about Jesus, what do you think she heard about Jesus? 
And that guy's a healer, man. Man, that guy's a healer. That guy's anointed. He's a healer. When she heard about him, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. It's very important you pay attention to what is happening here. When she heard about him, one more time. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched him. She didn't even get his attention. She just said, I just got to get it. I just got to roll up on this guy. I just got to come up on him. I just got to. Now it's verse 28. For she said, if I only, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now who told her that? <laughs> Some insider said it. Man, I can just touch this. I just need to touch his clothes. That's all. That's all. I just need to touch his clothes. I'm going to be made well. See, what is happening right here is anointing comes from deliberate touch, and anointing also can be drawn down. In other words, you can get into an environment and you can touch someone anointed. And you can draw on it. Because it doesn't come from anything except faith. Verse 29. Oh, amen. Amen. I got another one in there somewhere. Let me get there real quick. Hallelujah. Mark 5, 29 says, but when... Here we go. 529, immediately. Amen. I'm going to get there in a second. Verse 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt her body that she was healed of the affliction. So before Jesus is even conscious, of the fact that she's there. She touches him and she gets healed. And then look at his words. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched, not me? Who touched my clothes? In other words, she didn't even touch him. He didn't say, who touched me? He said, who touched my clothes? <laughs> wow. Now, this is deep because this is where we struggle. This is where we struggle because we believe this in the Bible. And man, do we believe it in action. Do we believe it in action? And I'm not, I don't want anybody to have any kind of condemnation about what I'm getting ready to say. But I want you to think about this clearly. The enemy's trying to get you from every angle not to believe. See, 1 John said the spirit of Antichrist is all around. And so if Christ is the anointed one, then Antichrist, we think about it as a person, but he doesn't say that. He said the spirit of the Antichrist. What is that spirit? The spirit is anything that tries to get you against Christ. 
In other words, if he can get you not to believe the anointing of Christ, then he stops you from receiving the benefit of Christ. See, if the enemy can get us not to believe the word, if he can get us not to believe the calling of God on our lives, if he can get us not to believe that your words have power, if he gets you not to believe that you are an agent of God, an ambassador of Christ, <laughs> if he can get you believing that, or at least doubting that, then he stops all the flow. Amen? If he can get you doubting your identity in Christ, if he can get some sin that he could dig up from back in 75, if he can get one of those old good ones, one of them nasty ones, he can pull up and just say, oh, yeah, remember that. If he can have that and hold that over you, guess what? He will paralyze you. He'll paralyze you from walking in the truth. Ooh, man. If he can get you to compromise, he can get you to not walk in the truth. Amen? Come on. Who touched my clothes? <laughs> woo Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see this multitude thronging around you, and you're going to say, who touched my clothes? <laughs> Jesus, you see all these people around us, and that's the question you got. <laughs> and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Let me tell you why this woman was crawling and not willing to talk to him directly. In the Jewish law, any woman who was having a menstrual cycle or any type of blood was not allowed to even be in the city. You're supposed to go out the gate. We ain't having none of that in here. You got to go out. So she had a faith that was willing to risk, and the penalty was being stoned. So she heard about Jesus and said to herself, you know what? I believe he can heal me, and you know what? I'm going to put this cloak over me, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting in here. And you know what? They might discover me, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. How many things do we know, man? God, I know you can do this. And you know what? It'll be worth me getting up early to pray, to see you move in my behalf. God, it'll be worth it for me to get in this Bible and get this word in my heart so that you move the way I know you can move. It will be worth it for me to sacrifice, turn my plate over and fast for a couple of days so I get my mind right to hear from you. It'll be worth it because I know that if I can just touch, you will move on my behalf. I will be healed. I will be changed. I'll be transformed. Something will happen to me if I can just. It'll be worth it. 
this woman said. That's why she's scared. So when they start saying, somebody touch me, she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, they're going to find out. They're going to find out that I was unclean in the city. But then she reverenced God enough to tell the truth, even in the face. Wait a minute, you just got healed and you're willing to die? Yeah, I am. Woo-wee, come on. Yeah, I'm willing to because I just got healed. And I know God is real. And if God can do this, I know he's going to protect me now. And look what he says. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She said, yes, I'm not supposed to be in the city. Yes, I was bleeding 12 years. And guess what? Most people know about my problem. Guess what? But I came in here anyway. And Jesus, I touched your clothes and I got healed. And all the people around it had to hear the fact that she got healed. Woo, come on. All the people around who maybe wanted to pick up a stone. Wait a minute. God healed her. Uh-oh. Be careful who you throw that rock at. <laughs> Drop the mic on that one. Come on. Verse 34, and this is where I want to leave you today. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Woo, come on. Come on. God is wanting to do things on our behalf. And reason we are a family of God is because we're supposed to encourage each other and iron sharpen iron and strengthen each other to stand and receive from God. Amen? We're supposed to strengthen each other, build each other up, challenge each other to walk in the Word, challenge each other to stand on God's Word, stand on God's principles. We want to do that for each other because we're going to see miracles happen. And when we see miracles happen in our midst, we'll see miracles happen outside of our midst. Amen? Come on. Listen, 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 listen close. How do you do this? You got to start the confession of faith. We see Jesus doing this work, and I want you to understand this. Jesus does this work on the outside, but Christ in us is the hope of glory on the inside. Amen. Everything you saw Jesus do on the outside. You need to be able to say, God, thank you for coming and sending him on the inside of me. Hallelujah. I thank you. I can be healed. I thank you. I can be transformed. I can be delivered. I can have everything that he said he was going to do in Luke chapter 4. I thank you, Lord, he can do it in me. Hallelujah. And guess what? He wants to do it in you first so you can be a witness. Amen. He wants you to be healed of your brokenheartedness. He wants you to be healed of your afflictions. He wants you to be set free. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be made whole. Jesus wants that for you. Amen? Amen. Come on. Now the devil's going to say, Jesus don't want that. God hates you. God don't love you. Guess what? That's why it's a lie from hell. Tell your neighbor, say, God loves you. (laughs) All right. Last thing, Colossians 1.25, go back there again. Colossians 1.25. I'm going to read this one real slow, and we're going to pray. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. We read it before, and I want you to hear it again. Of which I became a minister 
according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you (laughs) to fulfill the word of God. He said, I have a stewardship. I've been given something and it wasn't given to me for me. It was given to me for you. (laughs) I've received this gospel and it's not for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Woo, come on. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Generations and ages have been waiting to hear this. But God said, no, I'm saving it. I'm saving for a special group of folks. <laughs> I'm saving it for a, a special group of folks coming around the end of this thing. I'm waiting for a group to hear this, and I'm going to reveal it to them. And when I reveal it, it's for them. To them, God willed to make known. It's God's will to let you know this. Woo, come on, man. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Mm. <laughs> and it's a mystery among the Gentiles. In other words, it's a mystery to people who didn't even know God. <laughs> Woo-wee. And what is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in heaven, not Christ walking around the earth, but Christ in in you. Woo! Come on. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. The hope of glorification. Christ in you. Verse 28, we're going to pray. Him we preach, warning every man, And teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I want to teach you this so you become perfect. My goal is that you become perfect. That you become perfect. That you hear, receive, and move to perfection. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God. We thank you that the anointing breaks yokes, it transforms, changes, and we thank you that the anointing we saw Jesus, who went about doing good, freeing all those who were oppressed of the devil, Christ has now come in us, and we carry the anointing of God. Thank you for increasing our faith in the Christ in us. 
Thank you right now for every person in this room having that stirring in their spirit that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us is making a change, making a difference. Christ in us is empowering us and strengthening us and that we are lights shining in a dark place. And we thank you, Lord God, that as we shine, Lord, you're doing a supernatural work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. It was titled Christ in Us from our series titled The Anointing. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. And once again, our site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.